every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for What's Going On here on The Big Show, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Gordon, let's uh, let's uh, start with Hanson Scotty today. What do you say? All right. Sounds good. Uh, they had a conversation with David Locke, very similar to the conversations we've been having about Derek Favors and uh, the Jazz offseason, and here's what David had to say. How much better are the Jazz today uh, with Derek Favors than they were last season? So I think they addressed one of the weaknesses and they improved it greatly, right? So if you just look at kind of real plus minus on ESPN, Rudy is the, and Jokic were, I think, tied for the number one center. They were one and two and Favors was eighth, right? So you've got two of the top 10, you know, plus minus centers in the NBA. Um, you, you were not very good last year when Rudy left the floor. That was the primary defensive issue. It wasn't the, oh, and that's why I said I addressed one of the issues. Like, I don't want to overplay it to suddenly say, like, oh, we've become the elite defensive team that we were um, two years ago where we were flat-out dominating defensively. There, there's some other personnel changes that probably are for the better long-term, but that, that mean that we're not that, right? So with Rudy last year on the floor, we were in the 80th percentile defensively, maybe 85th. So we were really, really good, but we weren't dominant. And we weren't dominant because we were small it felt to me as though in transition teams saw gaps because we didn't have the length. You know, we just got a little smaller at every position last year. Um, now, the one area where we really weren't very good defensively was when Tony Bradley was on the floor or whoever, Ed Davis or whomever instead of Rudy. And so to have Derek Favors playing those minutes is going to have a, a, a really, really big impact on who we are defensively and what we're able to do on that side of the floor. And then, you know, Tony was pretty good offensively. It's actually hard to find in the numbers that we're going to be better offensively. It feels that way because you've got the Favors Ingles pick and roll we all love so much and some aspects to that. But I actually, if I'm being really honest, I can't find offensively where we'll get a great deal better. That lineup that was um, predominantly, I think, Donovan or Mike, it didn't actually matter. But Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, and Tony Bradley was actually torching people. Um, so it should be able to do that again with Clarkson, Ingles, Niang, and Favors, and then whomever's the other guard. That lineup should be able to be really, really good offensively and should be able to be better defensively. Um, it, it won't be great defensively, though. I want to be clear on that. It will be better. But like George Niang, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson is not a defensive juggernaut to be coupled with Derek Favors in that group. I saw the tweet that you put out, David, and it says Conley 29 minutes, Mitchell 34 minutes, just kind of making an argument for minutes. Of those Mitchell 34 minutes that you've kind of got worked out there, how many of those minutes will be him controlling the ball with a, without a point guard on the court? Well, if Mike, one of the, you know, I just took last year's numbers. I, uh, the tweet before was how Denver's short minutes right now. 
Um, and I just wanted to kind of be fair and say we might be high, right? So, like, if you actually take everybody's minutes last year and put into this year, everyone's got to reduce their minutes by 5%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually gets there. It actually is enough to bother players. Um, so, you, so we're you know, it's going to be a little bit of a dance for Quinn to, to get everybody out there. Um, so, if what did I have Mike at, 28, 29 minutes? Yes. You, you got Mike Conley at 29 minutes. So you're, I think you're going to have, you know, you're going to have Gobert or Favors on the floor at all times, and you know you're going to have Conley or Donovan on the floor at all times. So if if Mike's playing 28 minutes a night, then Donovan's playing 20 minutes a night as the sole point guard. 20 minutes. Yeah. So Donovan, right? Because yes, every minute right. Mike's on the floor, he's going to be handling the ball, and you're going to separate those minutes. I don't know that you can do it, but when I I was playing with lineups last night. Um, and I'll admit the lineup that I, my rotation, I got to that I thought was the most interesting did not have Mike Conley starting. Hmm. Sure. Um, had him finish, had him definitely finishing. Um, but I thought if I could, cause I'm trying to separate those minutes of Donovan and Mike. Right. And, um, I, and then have Ingles with faves, um, I thought there was something unique in having Boyan with Rudy like they did last year. I mean, I had a bunch of rules that I was trying to live by. Um, I don't know that Mike would be willing to do this, and I don't, you know, would he be fired up to be the sixth man of the year, which he probably would be. Um, I think that, um, I think it gets, I don't, you know, I just, so what I, what I, by, to, I like the idea of Mike getting at 33 years old extra minutes against number two point guards. He'll kill them. Right? The same way favors are going to kill backup centers. Yeah. And then I want Mike to finish games and finish. So I actually had Mike kind of checking in early for favors at the, you know, I have favors starting. So let me be clear on that. That was the other one is I did it a few times and just couldn't find like, I just can't believe that Derek Favors is playing 14 minutes. He's got to play 22 minutes. He's, yes. One, he's too good, and two, he's Derek Favors. Like, so I have Favors starting. Like, I know everyone's like, oh, he won't play with Gobert. I, sure, there's some lines where he can't do it, but I I don't know. I might be wrong. I mean, it's fascinating. I'm, you got me right in the middle of it. Literally, I was playing with it this morning and playing with it last night. And, you know, it's really hard, by the way. Like, I, I tip my hat to the coaching staff. Because it's and I've seen them do this exercise before. I've been I've been fortunate enough to be in a room with them when they were working on this. It's super hard. Like you start doing it, and then all of a sudden, like you you build your rotation, and like you'll forget a player. Like there's someone. Oh shoot! Like so and so got eight minutes, and you do something else, and then all of a sudden you have a lineup with two people on the floor together. You actually don't want on the floor together, and you know, frankly, I feel like we have three point guards, so I don't really want Joe, Mike, and Donovan on the floor at the same time very often. Maybe to close the game. Um, but otherwise not a great deal, frankly, right? Like if our closing lineup is still, you know, last year I was obsessed with Conley, Donovan, Ingles, Boyan, and Rudy as our closing lineup. It was terrible all year long. So do we go back? Do you go back to it? Do you, I think you do, but do you go back to it? It wasn't good last year. So, I mean, it's pretty fascinating to try to, to figure this out. All right, that was David Locke. A few minutes of his interview with uh, with Hanson Scotty earlier today, giving his thoughts on the favor situation, and um, he covered a lot of ground there. Gordon, where uh, what stuck out to you? Well, a couple of things. First of all, 
There's a bunch of different opportunities here for flexibility with the lineups, uh, depending upon what the situation is. And I don't think anything has to be scripted out. Say, okay, that's the way it's always going to be. Or even that's the way it always should be. Uh, I think this does give flexibility depending upon, you know, situational punting. And uh, they they can move things around and uh, suit uh, the situation properly. Uh, so that's what that's the first thing. And David was talking about a bunch of different options, and that's what the Jazz have now. Second thing I noted was that David agrees with me that uh, Favors will play with uh, Gobert for some of the time. And well, if he yeah. wants to, but David's point was is if he wants to play more than fourteen minutes, that has to be the case, and he wants to see Favors play more than fourteen minutes. Right, and I agree with that. The, see, the most relevant thing I think. Well, I, I shouldn't say that because he, he talked about a lot of relevant stuff. But the finishing lineup, the stuff he just hit there at the end, that that is what I find really interesting. I mean, because who starts is cute. And, you know, you get their time together at the very beginning of the game and then go away from it or, or what have you. But anyway, who closes is the interesting part to me. Because Favors, when he was here last time, Gordon, he did not close. He did one time, but it was not with Rudy. It was instead of Rudy. And I shouldn't say one time because I'm, I'm sure there's a game out there that they closed together. But it was rare. It was very rare. So what do you go with the close game? Because I don't like the lineup David threw out there that he was uh, uh, obsessed with last year. And it, it did have some the, – the Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, who's going to have the ball in their hand trio yeah. is an interesting – that's an interesting equation, right? And having all three of them on the floor at the same time I don't think was very successful last year. So out of those three, who is off the floor and then who is on the floor um, – in addition, I think I think that is really a really interesting question. Well, an attendant thing with that is you heard David say, and check me if I'm wrong on this, but I think he said when Conley was going to be in the game, then he would be playing the point. And I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Well, I think there will. Well, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think there will be times when Donovan Mitchell is uh, running the shop. And Conley is still on the floor with him. Yeah, like I mean, likely, like like at the end of the game. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Donovan's going to yeah. have the ball on his hand, whether Conley's in or not. But didn't you hear him say that though? I, I did. Think, I, I swear, I heard. Yeah, I what? don't. We can ask him to explain that more on yeah. Wednesday. I I don't think that's what's going to happen. But the point is, and this is what you're getting at: How do you divvy that up so that you have the right combination on the floor at the right time? See, I and think so- Royce still needs to be on the floor in the closing seconds because. You've got to have something to go at the other team's best guy. I mean, when it comes down, I mean, if you're in a game with the Clippers and it's coming down the stretch, it's in a, a back-and-forth kind of affair, you got to have somebody to guard Kawhi Leonard. That would be helpful. So, And, and there's the issue that they haven't addressed. I mean, David said this. He said they addressed one of the things that they needed to, mm-hmm. uh, defensively speaking, and that was a backup big for Rudy. Regardless of where Derek fits in otherwise, that's what he is. He's not a wing defender, and they need a, a top-notch wing defender. So Not, do not you easy think to come will... by, but Royce is that guy right now. He's really the only candidate. Right. So do you believe that they have a, another candidate? amongst what they already have on the roster, or do you think they are going to try and move something around so they can acquire that? Um, I don't think they have that on the roster now. 
I mean, one maybe one of these young guys can prove me wrong. But the the, the problem with it is is that you have to be proficient enough on the other side of the uh, of the ball to at least right. demand some attention. And and hey, Royce, uh, you know, Larry Bird, he is not, but he's he'll knock down a corner three once in a while. And he's if you good have enough that on, you have to worry about him. If you have him on the floor and you have Rudy on the floor, you still can have three shooters. Yeah. I, I agree. So that that's the curious thing to me. Do they go with that having, you know, Joe, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan, and Rudy, because those are probably their five best players. But is it necessarily the best lineup? Yeah, that's that's the $64,000 question right there. So I think Royce needs to come on, but the question is who comes off. And it, it's not Bogdanovich, it's not Donovan, and it's not Rudy. Nope. Right, and then there's maybe where your flexibility comes in, Gordon. Maybe you go with, uh, maybe you go uh, with uh, Mike Conley sitting down one night, and and Joe Ingles sitting down the next, and you're a little flexible there. But I, I how think about how about this? Go with the hot hand, right? And maybe that's where they do it, and maybe that's good to have that depth. But I, I don't, I still don't see Derek Favors closing games. I don't think that's going to happen. Not much, anyway. I think it depends on what team they're playing. But okay, so if you put Derek Favors on, who comes off? Royce, then who's guarding Kawhi? Yeah, Joe Ingles. Well, it's not Conley. Jake, think about that last year when the Jazz played the Lakers. The Lakers were just too big for the Jazz. So can Favors help with that? Wait, which which Lakers team are you talking about? The uh... Last year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and fa- you like the favors on Anthony Davis matchup? Yeah. What if the Lakers – okay. All right. Well, maybe in, in specific circum- circumstances. You just don't see a lot of a lot of teams out there closing with two bigs. But we just saw uh, – there, there were times when the Jazz were outsized, like Locke was talking about. And uh, I get it. You can't just say, okay, they're bigger than we are, uh, say, at the at the two guard and think that Derek Favors is going to clean all that up. <laughs> he's he's not. Well, yeah, that's but, the thing is size is, was more of an issue in the backcourt, I would yeah. say, than it was the frontcourt. Yeah, that's why. I mean, we all circled these things. We all circled the need for a defensive wing. Uh, and, and I know the Jazz are fully aware of, the, of that need. So I, I don't know if they have a plan to address it further or whether they're going to depend on one of these young guys to turn into something more than what they've been in the past. I I, I don't know. All right. We want to remind you uh, about our friends at uh, Syringa Networks, uh, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA. That guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century. Utah gets started now at syringanetworks.net. We'll divide what's going on into two segments here since we were a little bit late. We'll get to some BYU convo with DJ and PK coming up next, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Want to remind you, we're going to be over at the warehouse coming up on a football Friday from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. Price is so low. It'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. All right, let's uh, continue with what's going on. Let's check in with DJ and PK. They had Dylan Colley on the show to talk about uh, BYU and what's going on. So we had yesterday, we had Dennis Dodd on. He's national college football writer for CBS Sports. And he said that he thought Romney and Mill could play with anybody in the country. First of all, how cool is it that we're thinking about that from a BYU perspective? And how much do you agree with that? I, I 100% agree with that. I think Dax and Gus are, uh, and, and we've talked about this all season, right? I think they both share traits that together make them, I mean, I think statistically today, right? The best duo in the country. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, right, you look at the physicality, the strength, the sheer ability to go up and get it that Gunner has. Um, and, and his physicality, right, is kind of un... And then you look at the one-on-one capability of Dax Mill, and I've said this before, I don't think that there is another receiver um, that I've been around who, in press coverage, man-to-man, is as dynamic as, as Dax is. He's, un- like, unbelievable off the line. His routes are uh, really just kind of absurd and... I think, you know, a lot of people may give it credit to, well, he's a walk-on, and so it's just surprising to everybody. But uh, ultimately, the dude's a phenomenal receiver, and him and Gunner uh, together, uh, I completely agree. we got to get into the scheduling thing, I guess, at some point. Um, I I first heard that uh, Kyle Winningham on Saturday night say, we're going to find out who we play hopefully tomorrow, which, of course, didn't pan out. But that made me think that, well, he knew ASU and Washington State were in trouble and he thought they'd be playing Washington. So an old Mm -hmm. BYU-Washington thing came up. I didn't really take it seriously. Then I checked Twitter and found out, wow, BYU lightning rod. It still works. There's lightning. There's thunder. Um, But set all that aside, is BYU fundamentally differently prepared to play Washington this year than a year ago? Granted, Washington's got different players and a different coach, and, you know, it's a year later yeah. for them, too. But BYU got dominated at home by Washington. How much confidence do you have in them going to Washington if that were to happen, which I've never really thought was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I obviously, it would be a very, very tough game. It would be a very, very tough situation, especially on one week's notice, right? But uh, I think the level that this team is playing at, the talent that they have, uh, it would be an extremely, extremely good game, and it would be a tough test. Do I think that they, you know, BYU extremely capable of, of winning that football game, and it would be a very good football game? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, I feel very, very confident, right, that that wouldn't be a game that we truly would need to be tucking our tails for. All right, there you go. That's Austin Colley on with DJ and PK this morning. Uh, Dylan Colley, brother of Austin. I saw a picture of uh, of Austin uh, floating around online the other day. He's aging well. He's got a nice looking family. Uh, what do you think, Gordon? Well, first of all, uh, as as good as those receivers are down at BYU, they are far from the best in the country. That's uh, that's, that's just not true. They're really good though. I mean, 
They, they have been surprising. And I said it to you before the season started, and I've said it to you many times, that the years that BYU is really good are the years that they have really good receivers. And those guys are good and deserve a lot of credit for being good. But they're, they're not elite. I mean, they're, they're, they're really good. Um, as far as, you know, as, as someone uh, texted me uh, or uh, sent me a tweet saying that uh, on Around the Horn today that they were uh, dogging BYU, saying that they ducked Washington. And it's it's more much more complicated than that, obviously. Uh, it was, gets back to what we said yesterday, Jake, that uh, it would have been nice for BYU to agree to that game just for perception's sake because chances are Washington will end up playing Utah this week, right? Um, but, uh, I, you know, it just for perception. Uh, but the rules of the Pac-12 are unbelievably stupid. And uh, I, it's it, it really is beneath a lot of programs to agree to that kind of thing. But BYU has to impress people and make them think that they are willing to play anybody anywhere, anytime. So there is that misconception out there that I don't. It's like you said yesterday. You don't like the word duck. Uh, that's not exactly what BYU did, I would say. But the schedule is such that uh, it would be nice, as we've talked about all day today to amplify that thing a little bit and get it to the point where BYU is playing just a couple of opponents that are worthy of them. And so far this year, there's been one. Well, I, I would like to separate the anytime, anywhere from the decision that Tom Homo had to make. And I, I think you agree with me here. Because, of course, a player is going to want to have that attitude. And I'm sure Zach Wilson does. And I don't know who is running the BYU football Twitter account. I have no idea. But you know who I know isn't running the BYU football Twitter account? Tom Homo, the guy who has to make these types of decisions. So I, I, I know it makes fantastic TV to say, oh, BYU says anytime, anywhere, but doesn't really mean it. I, I get it that people, uh, if you don't scratch the surface of the story, that that's the, the fantastical point of view that you want to take. Right down to Bruce Feldman, who got the story from a Washington source, obviously, because they went with the, the ducking card. So mm. I, I, I wish people would, would push pause for a second and realize that Tom Holmes trying to do what's best for his football team. And I have no doubt that he prioritizes a lot of the stuff that you're, t- you're talking about there, Gordo. But as you know, and I do, I know life and specifically life right now ain't that simple. I mean, have you seen the Wilner's latest projections to uh, who's going to play who in the Pac-12 this week? Everybody's got like three different options. <laughs> It's 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 well, freaking madness right now. Yeah, so I yeah. I would like to separate the anytime anywhere that narr- BYU narrative from the what is actually a rational direction or rational move that BYU can realistically make. Well, those the way the Pac-12 crafted what they wanted to have done if any of its teams were playing outside the conference, it it, it is completely loaded. It is it, I mean. <laughs> It was set up so that it would put whoever any of the Pac-12 teams were going to play at a distinct disadvantage. And that's just, I mean, that may you may think that props you up somehow, but to me it makes you look like a laughingstock. 
Because no self-respecting team is going to agree to that. Yeah. And I, so if that makes BYU look bad, maybe they could have fashioned it in a way that they could have gotten better perception out of the way that went down because people are, are they are, they're falling for it. They're falling for it. So it worked for Washington. It worked for the Pac-12. Well, and uh, it did not work for BYU, at least for those who aren't paying closer attention. Yeah, the Pac-12 has looked so bad during this whole thing that it's easy for them to start kicking on BYU. I just, I just don't like it. I don't think BYU's ducking anybody. I think that this is just madness, and they're trying, like the rest of us, just to make the best situation possible for themselves. And I, and frankly, I think Tom Holmes has do done, a, done a really magnificent job. I think he's one of the best athletic directors in the country. I truly well, they believe need, that. They need, they need more. They need more on that schedule. Well, they I'm sure that. he knows that and is trying, Gordo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty confident I'm about that. I'm sure fact. you are, too. Okay. But that's not so easy as to go out and schedule somebody. Do it. Yeah. Go get it done. I mean, <laughs> you got to have somebody else willing to work with you, too. And I'm don't with come, you. Don't come to me with excuses, man. Just uh, I want results. No, but I, I mean that's just easy. It's easier <laughs> said than done, man. How else do you expect somebody to respond to that? I mean, like I know. <laughs> so, I I have sympathy for Tom, but I think his his heart's in the right place. I don't think BYU's ducking anybody. Uh, he wasn't. He he might have been born at night, but I don't think he was born last night. And maybe the Pac-12, maybe Washington's make, out to make BYU look bad. I don't know. But could you really blame them for not being a placeholder for the Huskies when the Pac-12 may play two games this weekend? They may play three. I mean, honestly. The the most likely scenario is that Washington will play Utah. uh, I would think so, but there's a reason they're not canceling the Arizona State thing yet. 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 But I bet Kyle Whittingham has a pretty good idea who they're going to play. And I don't think it's ASU. I'm trying to find that uh, projections tweet here. Uh, this is Wilner a few hours ago. He says, uh, John Wilner, by the way, San Jose Mercury News, says, by my estimates, here are the current options for Pac-12 teams with uncertain schedules this week. For Washington, either Utah or San Diego State. For Utah, ASU, Washington, or Colorado. For Colorado, USC or Utah. For USC, Colorado. For ASU, Utah. Hmm. Is that all? That's it. Why doesn't BYU play San Diego State this week? I don't know. I was uh, told by somebody though uh, after we brought this up uh, the past time that that ain't happening. So why? I don't know. Just got uh, heard from somebody that that ain't happening. Why would they bring what, all because the players BYU, back all of a sudden? BYU, I don't know. BYU told its players they could go and they don't want to have to bring reassemble them. I think that's a bogus excuse. They have been reassembling them, though. If you're watching closely yeah. on social media, so I, I don't know, Gordon. That's the thing we don't we don't know. When are we going to know? Soon, <laughs> soon. When will then be now? <laughs> on, on Thursday. Listen, to Gordon. we know on Thursday. Gordon, Gordon sounds like a kid that just saw his Christmas present get put under the tree. Tell me now. Tell me now. What I get? What I get? Tell me now. How many more sleeps until we'll know, Jake? <laughs> I don't think Tom knows, man. It, this is just crazy. I mean, the what was it? The Cal, what game was put together for Sunday a couple of weeks ago, two, 48 hours in advance? Oh, yeah. UCLA. It was UCLA. UCLA. And... I mean, we spend every, or at least I do, Gordon, I'm assuming you do too, every Friday before Football Friday, I spend that 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock hour glued to my phone to see if teams are actually going to play or not. I mean, that's how yeah. that's how up in the air everything is right now. 
Well, maybe maybe BYU really is waiting to see uh, where they're ranked tonight. What time's that poll come out? Five. That uh, ranking? Five. Five. So stay tuned. Oh, we're not that far off, so. All right. We'll have more uh, more Big Show coming up next. Austin's List right around the corner. Something you oh, don't want to be on. Straight ahead, 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time for Austin's List here on The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our producer, Austin Horton, has an enemies list, a list you don't want to be on. And he puts somebody on it uh, a couple of times a week. And uh, somebody else makes the list today. Indeed. Uh, and look, as I say, as I put this uh, uh, company on the list, we're still open to taking their advertising dollars here on The Zone. Oh, good, good. Right before you throw somebody <laughs> under the bus. you Sherwin-Williams, you're on the list. Okay, oh, the paint why? company? The paint company, the same. Tony Palacino, an Ohio University senior who worked part-time at a local Sherwin-Williams store, was fired after the company discovered what they called gross misconduct on his TikTok account. All right. Here's what the gross misconduct consisted of. Tony Pelicino would video while he was uh, mixing paint for customers at the Sherwin-Williams store. He would video the process, put it up on TikTok, and it got millions and millions and millions of views. It's pretty cool. The, the, how, I've never seen how a paint can gets mixed. It, it's pretty cool looking. Okay. Uh, he, he even did, uh, he did weird things like put blueberries in white paint to turn it into a blueberry paint color. Uh, he did all kinds of stuff. And when it wasn't a customer's paint can, he paid for it himself and then with his uh, employee discount and then did this. And he created this. And he even turned it over to Sherwin-Williams Marketing and said... I'm getting millions and millions and millions of views on this thing. You might want to do something about it. You might want to work it into the marketing. And they said, oh, we'll look into it. And the next thing you knew, he was fired for, again, what they called, quote, gross misconduct, close quote, on his TikTok account. Hmm. A scouring of the TikTok account finds only, and TikTok has commented that there's none that have been deleted that are of gross misconduct. It's only these mixing the paint cans on his TikTok account. It's to the point now where he says he's come to terms with it. He at first was really mad, but he said, ah, whatever, they can do what they want. He's working on making his own paint brand now, and TikTok is actually trying to get him uh, to do more so that he can be paid, uh, a paid TikTok account user. But Sherwin-Williams, just the latest in a long list of old-timey companies that doesn't realize the incredible use that internet social media can be for your marketing campaigns. All the customers that they'd be getting at Sherwin-Williams because of this one kid's TikTok, instead, he's fired for doing it on the clock is what they eventually came down. What it came down to is they said the gross misconduct is because he was doing these things while on the clock, not technically working. So Sherwin-Williams, you're on the list. Do they do they acknowledge that he, that he was generating publicity for their paint? Do they acknowledge that? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't 
It said that, I'd have to find the exact quote, but essentially what he said was, I never got a chance to tell my side of the story. I thought an HR person would call me about it. I never even talked to a district manager. There's nothing I could really do. The person that had told him he was going to run it up the, the flagpole of the marketing department said that their response was, we're not doing anything uh, outside of uh, the, the already agreed upon or already come to terms with a marketing plan for 2020. Hmm. It'll have to wait till 2021. I'd, I'd get my myself on over to Martha Stewart's label or something and cash in. Yeah, Martha Stewart paint by Tony Pellicino. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a pretty like cool that. kick. It's a pretty cool TikTok. Yeah. It's it's strangely satisfying, actually. Well, you know the 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 nice thing about these sort of like short sighted overreactionary moves is usually the people that are victims of it get back on their feet rather quickly because you you know this guy's got a following and you know who likes selling paint most companies uh, most paint companies <laughs> just not sure when yeah right just apparently not this paint company we so. have enough customers so yeah I, I i haven't bought paint in a while i don't know exactly what the brands are that are out there but my guess is you're going to see this guy's work for a for a different company the problem with the message that's sent here is this, it's stifling it's stay in your lane it's don't be creative it's just do your job the way somebody else has prescribed it to you and uh, and just keep quiet. I, I, it just seems like this is the wrong approach to, to a rather creative employee. I agree. Yep. Hmm. Well, there you go. They're turning down a golden opportunity, Sharon Williams. Now they got to – what's going to happen is this kid's going to get even bigger for bear paints. Or or whatever uh, the the other paint companies that don't come to mind, and then Sherman Williams is going to have to make something that competes with his TikTok account when they could have just had him in the first place. Yeah, so. the good the good news is that someone like you said will recognize uh, what he brings to the. So it, here's the thing: I have experience mi- mixing paint, and I'll tell you this. Did you say mixing paint? Yeah. Okay. When, uh, when, uh, not sniffing paint. Oh, no, I was no. just checking. Uh, but when I worked at Sears, I was a hand tools guy. But uh, whenever the, the paint guy, his name was Paul, because uh, he was really good at it. Whenever he'd take a lunch or whatever, one of us would have to meander over to the paint department for a little bit. And, and mixing paint, really, it stinks because the color of the paint that it comes out of, like after you mixed it or whatever, is not the color that it's going to be on the wall, nor is it the color that is on the like swatch. But yet people can't put this fact together. So then you, you, you say, okay, uh, well, trust me, this paint will dry that color. And they go, no, look at it. It's, I want it beige, and that's taupe or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and so then you darken it or lighten or I guess you can't lighten it. Well, you lighten it. Anyway, point being, then you adjust, and then they go home, and then they paint their wall, and then they come in two days later, and they complain, and they say, well, this isn't the color I picked. And then they look on the receipt, and they say, what idiot mixed this? And then my number comes up, and then I get yelled at. That happened multiple times. Yes. When I would tell them, I'd be like, no, it will dry the right color. I promise. I promise. So the moral of the story is if you're buying paint, ask the person mixing your paint if they're just covering for somebody or if they're the actual paint person. Right. Exactly. Well, as a former uh, professional painter myself, uh, I painted houses uh, during the summers. We've uh, heard this story a hundred times. Let's move on. But, the key is to get get it just get it right, just get it right. The key is to get it right. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the most profound thing you've ever get said. it right, Jake, and then you won't be wrong. The key is to yeah. get it right. <laughs> yeah, get it right. So that's, dealing... what, that's what we did, and then we went out and painted uh, houses, and uh, 
Uh, yeah, I figured that out pretty quick. And we had a discount at the Sherwin-Williams store uh, locally, not here, but uh, back east, and uh, saved us a lot of money that way because we charged our customers the full price. You know, you know the key to BYU's current predicament is to get it right. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> well, you were getting it wrong. That I was wasn't your getting it wrong. The customers were getting it wrong because they couldn't understand the concept that paint dried differently. <laughs> it dried as a different color than what it was in liquid form. And then they'd make you mess with the color, and then the color would be wrong, and then they'd complain about it. Hmm. So okay. what exactly did I get wrong? Oh, you sort of informed them of that fact. You don't think I did. Apparently not. Not you didn't. You didn't communicate it in an effective manner. Is this thing on? <laughs> Jake's whacking his forehead with the microphone. Is this thing on? I said frankly to the customers, "This dries a different color. Trust me, please. For yeah, all but, that is holy, trust me that it will dry the right color." But you know, I don't believe they didn't you. Hear that you. It will, they didn't hear me. Okay, that's it. Madness. It's time to just throw myself out the window. Jeremy Castro texts in. <laughs> That's Sherwin-Williams' new slogan. The key is to get it right. The key is to get it right. <laughs> Sherwin-Williams. Stay tuned. Jeremiah Jensen that's joins what, the show next. That's what, that's what I always did. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.